conflict, conflict, and more conflict. We'll be talking about how to deal with it in today's episode. I spent the last 10 years teaching corporate America leadership and teamwork. Now, I've left my 9-to-5 job to help as many people as possible become leaders in their work and personal lives. Some say leaders are born, but I say they're built. This podcast is the beginning of my mission to create change on a massive scale. Join me and follow along as we explore leadership, teamwork, and growth together. My name is Brian Rollo, and this is Lead with Impact. Hey there, and welcome to today's episode of Lead with Impact. I am so happy to have you with me today. It's a topic today that I think is important to all of us. It's something we all deal with and most of us struggle with to some extent. So I'm looking forward to talking about it. And the topic, of course, is dealing with conflict. We've gone over conflict a little bit in the past couple of episodes. The difference between constructive and destructive conflict and dealing with conflict by looking at the structure of our teams. And there's some good tips in both of those episodes, so I hope you had a chance to listen. But today, we're going to talk about how to deal with interpersonal conflict. You know, sometimes conflict comes our way and we are asked to deal with it. And when that happens, most of us have a default mode that we go to. And... Many times it's really useful and has served us really well. But there are probably other times when our default reaction to conflict has not served us quite as well in the big picture. So I want to go over a few different conflict modes or modes of dealing with conflict, I guess is the better way to say it. And talk about and really think about how they are each tools that we can use. And I think this is important in our work lives, certainly, even more so when you're a leader, because people, as we've said in the past few episodes, are looking to you to fix the problems. But I think this even goes beyond our work lives, because there's conflict in every aspect of our lives. There's conflict in our social lives. There's conflict in our family lives. There's conflict anytime somebody has a different idea than you and you have to figure out what to do about it. Every day has conflict if you really think about it. That's why I think it's really vital to sort of understand these principles and be able to apply them. So the model we're using today is something called the Thomas Kilman model. I did not come up with it, full transparency. This is something that's been out there for years, but I have found it to be really effective and a great way to look at dealing with conflict. And you just Google Thomas Kilman, you will certainly find out more information about this method. And the method really says that there's five default modes that one can revert to. And each one of us probably falls into one of the five modes. And those five modes are avoiding conflict, becoming accommodating, competing, 
compromising, and collaborating. Any one of those ring a bell to you? As I said, we can probably all relate to at least one of those, even on hearing them for the first time. But let's dig into them a little bit further. Let's talk about avoiding conflict. This is the first mode, avoidance. And this is somebody who simply sees conflict and goes the other way, chooses not to engage. And there are certainly times when this is a helpful mode to use. You know, you might think of this as in the fight or flight. This is flight. Even though those are really talking about dealing with danger, some of us see conflict as danger. And if you have that flight mode, this is what you're going to do. You're going to avoid. And there are times when you should avoid. If you see a battle that you cannot win, sometimes avoidance is the smart thing to do. Say you're out on the road and there's some crazy road rage person out there uh, that comes at you all wild-eyed. Avoiding is the right thing to do. Get yourself out of there. Now, in the workplace, avoidance too can be helpful. Sometimes avoiding a conflict is the best thing to do if it doesn't directly involve you or your team. You know, we probably all know people in the workplace who get themselves sucked into every little drama, even if it has nothing to do with them. Avoidance there is probably a good idea. If it doesn't involve you or your team or your work environment, do you really need to get sucked into it? Probably avoiding is a good strategy there. Another situation where avoidance is good is if the situation just isn't that important. You know, a trap I see new leaders especially fall into many times is wanting to win every single battle they see and wanting to engage in every single battle they see. One of the best pieces of advice I got early in my management career was choose your battles wisely. You can't and shouldn't fight every single thing. You know, where I was employed for a lot of years, there was a manual or a guidebook that was probably 150 or 200 pages. And let's be real here. If you wanted to nitpick those 150 and 200 pages, you could probably find something wrong everywhere. And so the person who can't avoid any sort of conflict is always going to be seeing a battle that they feel like they need to fight. When sometimes avoidance and letting this battle pass because it's not really a big battle that matters is the right strategy. Now, when can avoidance hurt you? It can hurt you when it's a battle that you need to engage in or it's a conflict you need to engage in, especially, again, as a leader. You can't really have an avoidance default mode as a leader because you simply cannot avoid conflict. If you have a team and other team members, there's going to be conflict and you cannot be an avoider. You need to be able to jump in and do your part to defuse any sort of destructive conflict. The second mode is accommodating. This is someone who sees a conflict they don't avoid it necessarily, but they don't really try to win it either. They say, okay, I guess I'm in conflict, but you know what? You win. I'll give this to you. You win. I'm not going to fight you anymore on this. Now, that too certainly has a time and a place 
For instance, if you are in a conflict and you realize that you are wrong, you realize that you had a point of view that wasn't correct or your idea is not as strong as someone else's, it's smart to be accommodating and the inability to do that will hurt you. Or if it just in the long run is not worth winning this time. Sometimes you can do more for a relationship to let somebody else have a win and let them remember that and build up some goodwill. Those are some situations where certainly you want to be accommodating. Also, sometimes if you have an employee or a member of your team that really wants to do something and they really are passionate about it, you might say, I'm going to let them try it. Not the way I would do it, but let them go try it. And if it doesn't work, they're going to sort of learn from the process. Assuming, of course, that it's a non-critical matter, that can be a wise strategy sometimes. So what's the danger of accommodating? Well, there could be two big dangers. One, accommodators often start to feel disrespected or they start to feel taken advantage of because people will take advantage of them once they get the sense that they won't stick up for themselves, that they won't fight for their ideas. The accommodators can almost start to feel run over and pushed to the side. So there's some danger in being an accommodator as a default mode. And the second problem of being an accommodator, sort of like being an avoider as a leader is you can't accommodate sometimes. Sometimes you have to stand up for what you know is right. We talked about picking your battles. So if you see a battle that needs to be fought and you know that you are on the right side as a leader, there's just simply times you can't accommodate. You might be able to use another method, but accommodating, just saying, Go ahead and keep doing this, even though I know it's wrong, even though I know it's going to hurt the team, is not a valid method. The third mode is competing. This is the opposite of an accommodator. A competitor is someone who has to win every single time. They see any sign of conflict as a zero-sum battle, where they get the sum and the other person gets the zero. And they fight so hard every time to win. Now, when is this useful? Obviously, on important matters, you need to be a competitor sometimes. You need to fight very hard. You know, in an extreme example, if there's a fire alarm, you can't suggest that people get out of the building. <laughs> you have to sort of insist. You get out of the building. We have to do this now. Sometimes you have to be willing to stand up and fight for your ideas. On important disciplinary matters on a team, you have to sometimes stand up for what is right and say, I have to fight for this. I'm going to fight for this. And if you feel like sometimes you're being taken advantage of or somebody is trying to take advantage of you, sometimes you need to be a competitor. Now, what's the danger? People get fatigued by computers. If you get the reputation of having to win every single time, people will tire of that. And people will see you as not reasonable. 
because no one wins every single time. You can also tend to attract yes people, so to speak. People who just will agree with you all the time because they have learned is not worth arguing or even reasoning with you. And that can be really, really dangerous in the long run. As we talked about in an earlier episode, if two of us agree all the time, one of us is unnecessary. You can't surround yourself with yes people and expect to be productive. The fourth mode is compromising. Now, we might automatically think of this as the best mode to be a compromiser. And in many ways, and many times, it is the way to go. If there are issues that are important, but maybe not vital, when we can find ways to compromise, everybody wins. Instead of zero sum, if we can find a way for everybody to walking away feeling like they've won a little, that's a victory. So compromisers really tend to make the best out of tough situations. Now, when can compromising be bad? Compromising can have negative connotations if we rely on it too much and every single time. It can almost lead down the path of accommodation because there's sometimes you won't need to compromise. There are some times when you can stand and fight for what is right and win because you have the strong side of the argument. And there are times when compromising, much like accommodation, could lead to negative outcomes because there is no real merit or strength to the other argument. And by compromising, we are giving air to something that should not have air. So compromising, although it sounds good, still not useful in every single situation. The last mode is collaboration. Now, collaboration is when two sides work together to come up with a solution. That may sound like compromise at first, but there's actually some subtle differences between compromise and collaboration. With a compromise, both parties have a desired objective and both end up giving a little to reach agreement. With collaboration, both parties have an objective and instead of each side giving a little, we come up with a third solution that is pleasing to everyone. So a little bit different than compromising, but can be very, very helpful. Anytime you are sort of at a stalemate, collaboration is good. Anytime you just want to come up with a new interesting idea, collaboration is good. When can it not be good? Well, if you see everything as a collaboration, again, you're probably not going to take a stand for some things that you should take a stand for. Also, collaboration takes time. So treating everything like a collaboration can actually tire out the people around us. Those are our five methods. Let's, let's sort of go through them this way. Suppose you and a partner or a friend wanted to go out for dinner and you really wanted to go out for Italian, but your partner wanted to go out for Mexican food. How do you deal with that? Well, if you were an avoider, 
you might not even say that you wanted to go out for Italian. You would just say, what do you want to do? They say Mexican and you say, great. You're avoiding the conflict altogether. If you were an accommodator, you might say, well, I'd like to go out for Italian. They say, I'd like to go out for Mexican. And you would just say, you win. Let's go out for Mexican. A computer would be the opposite. They would say, it's Italian or no deal. Bang your fist on the table and say, it's Italian. A compromiser might say, you know what? Let's go out for Mexican this time, and next week we'll go out for Italian. And a collaborator might say, you want to go out for Mexican? I want to go out for Italian. Let's reach a compromise and go out for steak. You see how they each have their own uses. And the point I hope you take from this is someone who is good at dealing with conflict should be able to use all five of these methods. You see, you can't rely just on having a default method and think it will work all the time. Because in certain situations it will, as we talked about, in other situations it won't. So someone that's good with conflict, and particularly a good leader, will be able to use all five of those tools. You know, there's the saying that if the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And this is avoiding that because you have knowledge of these five different modes and then depending on the circumstances can use them to come to an agreement. As a leader, I think it's important that we know these. And then the next most powerful thing you can do is teach them to your team. Because imagine if it wasn't just you who knew this, but everyone on your team had the ability to understand these different modes and could use them smoothly to negotiate conflict. The battles and the acrimony and the drama would reduce considerably, I promise you. So use these five modes to navigate conflict and most importantly, reduce destructive conflict. That is it for today's episode. I hope you got a lot out of it. I hope this is something useful that you can use going forward. I know it's been useful for me, and I think it will be useful for me in the future, too. With that, if you found us out there on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, please take a moment to subscribe for free, to rate and review. You can also find us online at brianrolo.com lead. While you're there, drop me a line to brian at brianrolo.com. Thank you for being part of the journey. Have a great day. Lead with impact, and I will talk to you tomorrow.